Thanks for tuning in to this Journey Bible Church sermon podcast. Join us every week for fresh sermons from God's Word by subscribing to this podcast wherever you like to listen most. If you are looking for a church in the Kansas City metro, come check out one of our church's campuses for worship on Sundays. Now, we hope you enjoy the message. Welcome to Journey Bible Church. Um, if you're a guest uh, this morning, my name's Mike Bickley. I serve as a lead pastor here at the church. And uh, we're in the book of Ephesians. And to start us off, I just want to tell you of a memory that I have in the back of my mind. Um, it was highlighted again in November um, with an anniversary of an event. In 1982 and 1983, as a college student, um, I was a part of a team of students that one summer went to Hungary and then the next summer went to Poland. And this was before the Berlin Wall had come down and while it was still a communist USSR. Then I remember in 1989, uh, watching as it began in Berlin with the tearing down of the wall. And I remember how these Germans were dismantling the wall with sledgehammers and chisels and pickaxes, and they were trying to take down what had divided them for over three decades. It was almost unbelievable to watch um, all the hostility between West and East seemed to be demolished almost overnight by the coming down of that wall and how the two sides of Berlin were reunited. You know, we saw through that, that that barrier that divided was removed and destroyed and abolished. But overnight, <laughs> the... Uh, uh, the Soviet Union, as it deteriorated, didn't actually have all of its problems fixed because one wall came down. Even today, we read of and hear of and watch of the trials and the struggles that are taking place in Eastern, U Eastern Europe and the former Soviet Union. See, when you destroy something, you must construct something new. When you pull down a barrier that divides, you must also build a bridge that unites. If you're going to destroy hostility, you have to find a way to create harmony. If you're going to tear down barricades, you must learn how to pull people together. If you have your Bibles, turn to Ephesians 2. Many people call this the Berlin Wall of the New Testament. In Ephesians chapter 2, we are reading about the revolution that comes to people as the result of the radical transformation we find through salvation in Jesus Christ. For the last two weeks, we've looked at the movement from being dead in our sin to being alive in Christ. 
Last week, Pastor Colton walked us through Ephesians 2, 8 through 10, and we saw how no longer were we living under wrath, but now we are his workmanship in Christ Jesus created for good, we, good works. This week, we want to look at a movement in our text where we are moving from hostility, hostility with God, hostility among one another, to being reconciled and at peace. And then next week, we'll look more fully at this idea that God not only tears down the hostilities between us, but he makes us one new man, a new body in Christ, and he builds a new community out of love rather than hatred. So if you would turn to Ephesians 2, we're going to read verses 11 through 17 this morning, and then I'm going to walk us through it. Ephesians 2, 11 through 17. Therefore, remember that at one time, you Gentiles in the flesh, called the uncircumcision, by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands, Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in this world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and is broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off, and he preached peace to those who were near. Let me pray for us. God, when we come to your word, oftentimes it's easy for us to make assumptions. It's easy for us to gloss over what's really being communicated. I pray that our eyes would be open this morning and we might hear your word in the way it was intended to be heard. We might read it with insight. Holy Spirit, illumine in each of our hearts the reality of what has happened, the revolution that has taken place in Christ. And let us, Lord, join in what you are doing. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. So the first thing that we want to look at this morning is this movement in our text from hostility to peace. And so we're going to start with the movement from hostility, and we're going to start with the reality that apart from Christ, you and I are separated from God and living in hostility with God and with each other. The plight of humankind is that of separation and hostility. Look at verse 11. And we want to look at two types of hostility. We're going to start with social hostility or hostility between people. And then we're going to look at spiritual hostility, hostility between God 
and us. So we'll start with social hostility. Notice he says, therefore remember at one time, now he's talking to believers in Christ, you Gentiles, if you remember historically, the Jews saw themselves as God's chosen people. And we'll talk a little bit more about this. So they saw themselves as an entity and then everybody else in the entire world was a Gentile. It was us, God's chosen people, and it was the Gentiles, God's unchosen people. And oftentimes, the Gentiles were called the uncircumcision. Now, I really don't want to go deep into circumcision today, but circumcision was the mark of the covenant that was given um, to Abraham as a, a way to signify that through his lineage would come all the nations of the earth that would be blessed. In other words, Israel was chosen by God to be a blessing. And anybody outside of that was called uncircumcised. In other words, something God designated as a special symbol of the fact that they were chosen to be a means of grace to the world became a dividing point. And we've seen this through all of history, right? Where something good meant to unite someone's view of their role in the world became a dividing point, a distinction. That's why Paul says, in the flesh, you circumcision. And then circumcision in the flesh by hands. He's saying that something God gave symbolically had become a distinction God never intended. And so the world was kind of divided. It was name calling. Oh, the circumcised. That's us, the special people. The ones near to God. The ones that are blessed. The ones that are protected. The ones that have the oracles of the living God. And the uncircumcision. The filthy half-breed dogs of the world, the pagans, and we could call them a bunch of other names. God's purpose in choosing Abraham in Israel was that through them, all the families of the earth would be blessed. Go this, morning, this afternoon and read Genesis chapter 12, those first few verses, and you'll see that the whole idea was that Abraham and his heritage were to be a channel of grace from God to the nations. But instead of reaching the Gentiles with God's love, they condemned the Gentiles with self-righteous hatred. They were divisive, prejudiced, bigots, discriminatory, and elitist in their mentalities. At the time of the New Testament, a rabbinic writer captures the common attitude of Jews toward Gentiles. He records an incident where a Gentile woman came to a rabbi she was repentant and sorrowful. She came confessing her sins and her trespasses. She told the rabbi that she longed to be righteous and that she heard that the Jewish people lived and walked near to God. And so she came to embrace their God and find a path to truth and righteousness and become a follower of the Jewish faith. And the Rabbi is said to have responded to the woman, no, you cannot come near and slammed the door in her face. The prophet Jonah, if you've ever written the book of, 
read, ridden? I, I, I can't ride Jonah. But if you've ever read the book of Jonah, you know that the first thing he does when he's told to go to Nineveh, a great city of Gentile immorality, he turns and goes in the opposite direction because he's fearful God might pour out his grace on these people. And he doesn't want them to see get grace. He doesn't want them to get grace. He wants to see them get wrath and judgment poured out upon them. You know, when a Jew traveled to Palestine, when he got back into the territory, he would shake off the dust on his feet, in his sandals, in his clothing, because he did not want to contaminate the holy, world, holy land with Gentile dust. Samaritans were part Gentile, part Jewish. They were half-breeds. And true Jews would take a journey three times as long so they could walk around the half-breed neighborhood to their destination. These attitudes didn't begin with the Jews and the Gentiles. They've been a part of humankind since the fall. A friend sent me this story 60 years ago, one night at 11.30 p.m., an older African-American woman was standing on the side of an Alabama highway in the middle of a lashing rainstorm. Her car was broken down. She desperately needed a ride. She was soaking wet, and she flagged down the next car that came by that happened to be a young white man who stopped to help her. Generally unheard of in the conflict-filled 1960s of the South. She seemed to be in a big hurry, so he drove her to safety, found her assistance, and put her in a taxi cab to her destination. She thanked him and wrote down his address, drove away. Seven days later, there was a knock on the man's door, and to his surprise, on the front porch was a giant console color TV delivered to his home, and a special note was attached, and it read, thank you so much for assisting me on the highway the other night. The rain drenched not only my clothes, but my spirits. And then you came along. Because of you, I was able to make it to my dying husband's bedside just before he passed away. God bless you for helping me and unselfishly serving others. Sincerely, Mrs. Nat King Cole. How much change can come to the world if we sought to be constructive if we just treated every person with the same dignity and worth that God treats us, why did a white man helping a black woman have to be a big deal? And see, that brings us to the second thing that is so crucial for us to understand about God's plan to eradicate hostility is that we must understand that all hostility is caused by sin and all sin is grounded in our fallen nature and all fallen people not only have hostility towards one another, they have a hostility toward God. Therefore, remember that at one time, you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember Go back and recall what it was like for you to be separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers 
to the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in this world. Man, what a picture of a destitute, angry, unbelievably hostile place to be, separated from the Messiah, having no hope, being alienated, being on the outside, missing out on protection and blessing, being estranged from God's promises, being godless, without the true God, separated, alienated, estranged, hopeless, godless. Do you see those words? Do you remember what that was like? If you're here this morning and you're a follower of Jesus, that was you. That was you and I. Apart from Christ, we had estrangement, distance, alienation. Our life was one of prejudice, animosity, and division. By the way, you weren't good. We've already talked about that. I wasn't good. You can dress us up, but you shouldn't take us out. That's funny. That's what my wife always says to me. She says, I can dress you up, but then I take you out, and I realize I shouldn't have taken you out. Right? You know, in humanity, what we try to do is we try to change people on the outside. A friend of mine said, yeah, it's kind of like putting lipstick on a pig. All you're trying to do is improve brokenness by less slightly brokenness. Once we were far off, verse 13 says, but now... We've been brought near. Verse 13 is very important. But now, in Christ Jesus, the solution for all animosity, all prejudice, all hatred, all division, everything that we have in our world that causes us to be in animosity towards one another is that we have an opportunity to be radically transformed in Christ. The only way to bring two people at odds with God and at odds with each other together is by the blood of Christ. The solution for our prejudices and our divisions is the removal of sin. And the only way to remove sin is by the atoning work of Christ who shed his blood for you and I. The path to destroy our barriers, the path to reconcile our hostilities, the path to make enemies friends is only by the blood of Jesus Christ. The American church must wake up to this reality. We will not solve the prejudices and the hates and the animosities in our world by governmental action, by changing our laws. We must change hearts because the root is sin and only the atonement of Christ can deal with the sin problem. We must remember, instead of getting angry with the people 
that are prejudiced and hateful and spiteful and divisive. We must remember what it was like to be separated, alienated, estranged, godless, and hopeless, and trying to work things out and fix things in human wisdom and human effort. We must remember that that's the world's natural course to try to fix problems is by human engineering, by more humanism, by more materialism by more oversight and control of other fallen, broken people. And then we must remember the solution. We were brought near by the blood of Christ. We were changed from the inside out. We weren't washed on the outside. Nobody put lipstick on us. Christ changed our hearts. And that becomes the platform He reconciled us first to God and then second to each other. You know, the world's going to continue its pattern of man-made hostility. And the world is going to continue its pattern of offering man-made solutions. But you and I must remember, there's no longer a Jewish Christian and there's no longer a Gentile Christian. There's no longer a black Christian and a white Christian. There's no longer a male Christian and a female Christian. There's no longer a brown Christian or, or a Pentecostal Christian or a Bible church Christian. We are all in Christ. And there is no distinction. As a matter of fact, throughout the New Testament, those distinctions are said to be eradicated. And in our text, Paul makes that very explicit. You know a book, if you want to read a book written by a great black theologian, Dr. John Perkins, it's called One Blood. And in that book, he describes his own movement from hatred to love because of what Christ did in his heart, how it changed the way that he lived and sought to bring the solution of the gospel to bear on the racial issue in America. So number one, apart from Christ, we're separated. Separated from God, separated from each other. We are hostile. We're hostile towards God, thinking that we can run our own lives, and we're hostile towards each other, putting people into camps, into categories, and labeling one another. And this brings us to our second point. In Christ, we are reconciled and at peace. In Christ, we are reconciled at, and at peace. The only way to make peace is to tear down the dividing wall between us and to reconcile those parties that are estranged. This happens in Christ, through the cross, by the shedding of his blood. That's how people at odds with God are brought together with God. That's how people in Christ at odds with one another are brought together into a new community of love. So I want to talk about reconciliation. I want to give you three kinds of reconciliation. And the first one is destructive re reconciliation. In other words, to bring about reconciliation, there must be a tearing down of something. And in our text, it tells us that Christ breaks down the dividing wall of hostility. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down 
in his flesh, this is really interesting, he's playing off about the reality that Paul said that we make distinctions in the flesh so the solution was for God to come in the flesh and offer himself up on the cross as a way to break down the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross. And then notice what he did. He killed the hostility. He put it to death. Just as sin makes us dead, Christ in his power makes hostility dead. In the cross, in the offering up of his body, in the shedding of his blood, Jesus Christ destroys the barrier. He tears down the fence. He takes down the dividing wall of hostility. He destroys the distinctions, the separations, the prejudices. Through his blood, the sacrifice of his life, the work on the cross, he has demolished, overturned, and shattered the barriers that stand between God and us and the barriers that stand between us. He killed the hostility. Now, what is the dividing wall of hostility? You know, Paul is one of these guys, he loves to have a couple of images in mind with one phrase. And I think he has two in mind here. The first one, if you remember in the Jewish temple, inside the temple, there was the court uh, of, for, for the Israels, and then outside was the court of the Gentiles. And along all of the walls on the court of the Gentiles were statements that if a Gentile entered into the court of the Israelites, the, they would immediately encounter the punishment of death. Now, what was originally supposed to be a place where the Gentiles could come seeking God and find Jews praying for them and telling them about their God became a way, a barrier, a distinction to keep them out. And what he's saying is that when Jesus went to the cross, he tore down the separation and distinction that was made between Jew and Gentile. But that's a social hostility that existed between peoples. I think he also had in mind what we read about when Jesus died on the cross, that the curtain between the holy place and the holy of holies was torn in two, eradicating in Christ the division and hostility we had, the separation that you and I experienced from God Almighty. So he has in mind these two things, that in the work that Christ did on the cross, he would destroy the hostility between us and God by letting God's wrath be poured out on him so you and I could be forgiven. You and I could be made new and experience his life and his love now and for all eternity. Can I have an amen, church? But that's not where it stopped. He then makes us one new people. That's the constructive reconciliation that our text points us to. Christ builds us as two separate groups into one new man, 
one new body, one new community. Notice in our text what takes place here, how these two hostile parties that are at odds with each other are made into friends. Paul, the persecutor, the killer of Christians, has become the promoter, the presenter, the proclaimer of Christ. People at hatred with one another are now loving one another. He himself is our peace who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and he preached peace to you who were far, far off, and to you who were near. Peace to both, the gospel to both the Jew and to the Gentile. And this deconstructive reconciliation with this constructive reconciliation leads to a practical result, something absolutely fabulous, absolutely incredible. Christ brings you and I peace. You know, when you walk through our text, it's hard not to notice that Christ himself is our peace. There is no peace to be had for humankind apart from Christ. We may have calm, we may have tranquility, but the kind of peace and wholeness that the scriptures talk about, a peace that's a settled understanding of being forgiven and right with God, a peace that understands that I have the ability to love those that are at odds with me, even to love my enemy, that level of peace can only come in Christ. Notice that it goes on and says that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two. So making peace. Not only is Christ our peace, he makes our peace. And he came and he preached peace to you who were far off and he preached peace to you who were near. We all need peace. The kingdom is peace and righteousness and joy in the spirit. God is the God of peace. Christ is the Lord of peace. The gospel is the gospel of peace. Only Christ can bring peace to our world. Church, do you hear what the scriptures are telling us? In a world as divided and full of animosity as the first century was, the only answer was Christ. Today, the only answer is Christ. The only way we are going to do away with the animosity in our culture is do away with the animosity in the heart. And the only way to do that is Jesus Christ. During World War II, a group of American soldiers lost one of their friends in combat. 
And they carried his body from the battlefield to the only cemetery in the area. And when they got there, they discovered it was a Catholic cemetery. And their friend was not Catholic. And as they approached the priest, he said, well, I'm sorry. Your friend cannot be buried in a Catholic cemetery. The disheartened and discouraged soldiers decided in the middle of the night they would do the next best thing. And they took their friend back to the cemetery and buried him just outside the fence of the cemetery. They went back, got a couple hours of sleep, and decided before they moved on they would come back and, and share their, some reflections and, and just the next morning pay their respects to their fallen comrade. And when they got back, they couldn't find a grave outside the fence. And fearing the worst, they approached the priest, and the priest said, the first night, the first part of the night, I stayed awake, sorry for what I told you. The second half of the night, I spent moving the fence. Christ has taken down the dividing wall of hostility between us and God. He's taken down the dividing wall of hostility between us and each other. We not only need to have regret for the hostility we've shown towards those who are different than us, it's time to move the fences. We must remember that we can only do it in God's strength. Only God can promote peace. Only God can change a heart. Only God can bring true forgiveness and repentance. The American church, we have black churches, we have white churches, we have African churches, we have Asian churches. We have economic divisions. We label people trailer trash, white trash. We assume the poor, it's always their fault. We make class separations. We think that those that are coming culturally, immigrating here, might be intruders, might be outsiders. We erect barriers based on sex. Within the church, we erect barriers based on age and stage of life. We allow our political concerns to trump our theological understanding. We aren't going to change the church by changing churches. We're going to change the church by changing us. Are you erecting walls or breaking down walls? Are you promoting hostility or are you preaching peace? The church must be at the forefront of healing the hostilities between peoples, between people of color, people of the, between sexes, between nations, between classes. But the church cannot do it in a worldly way. It cannot join a humanistic movement. It's called to something deeper and more profound. It's called to the gospel of peace and preaching it and proclaiming it and promoting it and living it. That is our calling. The only hope for reconciliation between men with each other is Jesus Christ. 
He is our peace. He made peace. And he brought peace by preaching peace. We are to do the same to all people everywhere without distinction. Every person needs to know Jesus, experience Jesus and his salvation. Then we have a starting point for eradicating sin in our world. Justice will be had in this world. Christ will bring it. He promised it. We as his people will promote it and proclaim it through the gospel till it comes again. Let's pray together. God, thank you for this text which is rich in reminding us that in tearing down the dividing wall between men and you, you have chosen to destroy the dividing wall of distinction that we make between each other. Help us as a church, Lord, to remember that the path to eradicating prejudice in our society is the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Lord, help us to live that gospel so that you can do incredible things in our culture that will only bring you glory. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. This podcast was produced by Journey Bible Church in Olathe, Kansas. If you're interested in learning more about our church, visit journeybible.org. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. We'd appreciate a positive rating and would encourage you to share this program with a friend. Thank you for listening.